Fired up, dude. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, look who's back. The 49ers are 500 again. They have crawled their way out of the ugly hole that they found themselves in two weeks ago after that embarrassing home loss to Arizona. Two straight wins within the course of six days. One over the Rams, a good team, and one today over the Jacksonville Jaguars, a decidedly not good team. 30-10. to 10. Before we recap the 49ers win of the Jaguars, we want to tell you about our best deal of the year. In honor of Black Friday and Cyber Monday, you can get all of the Athletic's great writing and podcasts for just $1 a month for 12 months. Go to theathletic.com forward slash here's the catch before midnight on Monday the 29th and lock in our very best price of the year. Just $1 a month for new subscribers. 49ers beat a team that they should beat badly. They, they go out and they do that on the road. But Matt, this is not something that I think we should take for granted given the fact the 49ers were coming off an emotional win on a short week, playing an early body clock start, but they came out and they dominated on a weekend where a lot of NFL teams that should have dominated didn't. And there's something to be said about that in the 49ers' performance today. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was the same game. I mean, that was the question. Can the 49ers summon the same energy and intensity that they had against, you know, the Rams, a division opponent, historic rival at home at Levi's on Monday Night Football. Can you summon all of those things against the Jaguars on the road, on the East Coast, 10 o'clock start? And I thought it was the same game. I mean, it was basically a continuation of that Rams game. And uh, Dennis, I mean, I felt like uh, this, this was the easiest win and uh, another uh, complete win, and, and the stars showed up. I mean, it was George Kittle, it was Nick Bosa, it was Brandon Ayuk, it was Garoppolo, and it was a lot of uh, Debo Samuel. It's exactly what you wanted to see if you were the San Francisco 49ers. You said it. it they just continued to do exactly, almost exactly, what they did against the Rams. You go out and you establish the run uh, 42 runs, uh, that first drive. And I'm going to tell you guys something. That first drive, I think, defined the entire game because that defense was tired. That defense had lost its confidence because everybody, everyone comes into the football game thinking, hey, we got a chance to beat a, another football team. And if you go out and you keep the ball for the entire first quarter, your defense has lost all its confidence. So, it was it was fantastic to watch. It was good to see, you know, the 49ers, 49ers for the last two weeks have just been very efficient. And I think it's time to give uh, Jimmy Garoppolo some love because he's had three really good games because the games are not dependent on his arm. And uh, Kyle Shanahan, what he's done with Debo, and who is this Debo guy? I mean, he is he a running back? Is he a receiver? But I, I don't know who he is, but he's probably the best player on this team. So... It was really fun to watch this game. Yeah, I know Elijah Mitchell, so the 49ers couldn't run the usual outside zone, and that changes the offense significantly. They had to 
be creative with the way that they manufacture this run game. So yeah, Jeff Wilson, 19 carries for 50 yards. Not very efficient, but I thought they were, you know, needed yards up the middle. There was a lot of inside zone from Jeff Wilson and from Trey Sermon, 10 carries for 32 yards to really constrict the defense. And then you had Debo Samuel come in and give you eight carries for 79 yards. A lot more of the outside zone concepts came with Debo Samuel running after the 49ers had constricted that defense. So uh, you had this intricate run game creatively using different versatile pieces. And, you know, the guy that's pulling the puppet strings has to be Jimmy Garoppolo at the quarterback position. His arm makes it possible for these long drives to work. There was a third and 12 early in that 20-play drive that Garoppolo had to deliver a good pass to Brandon Ayuk. And he had to, you know, perfectly place it through a narrow window so that Ayuk could pick up a couple extra yards after the catch to move the chains. And then Garoppolo obviously found Ayuk later on uh, on a third down when he got hit out of the shotgun. Ayuk was in the back of the end zone for a touchdown. Then there was a fourth down conversion into the end zone to George Kittle. So yes, Garoppolo only threw 22 times, but highly efficient. 16 of 22, 176 yards. Uh, That's a 73% completion percentage. The yards per attempt is also good. I'm not going to do the math in my head. What I saw was efficient football. Kyle Shanahan confirmed that. And when that happens in this offense, the system clicks. And when the system clicks, you look up at the clock and there's 132 left in the first quarter and the Jaguars haven't had the ball yet. So we go, Matt, from a 49ers defense that was downright embarrassing two weeks ago. The 49ers defense looks pretty damn good now. And I think what allowed them to regain their footing was the fact that this 49ers offense is leading the way, hogging the ball giving the defense a chance to perform on its terms moving downhill. Yeah, Garoppolo also had a really nice uh, rainbow toss on a blitz to, to Trey Sermon at the end of the game. The game was well at hand at that point, but it just showed a sort of a mastery of what's going on, and that's what the 49ers were hoping for. I mean, here we are, week 11, and now we're basically at the point where Kyle Shanahan and the rest of the decision makers on that team were hoping they would be at, you know, at the beginning, which is Garoppolo doing everything he needs to do to sort of guide this team, manage this team to victories to the point where no one's really wondering about Trey Lance. I mean, I was wondering about Lance in this game, but only because the 49ers were up by so much. And I was thinking, okay, this, this seems like a good spot for Lance to come in and get some snaps and came in a little bit later than I thought he could have. But my point is that nobody is pining to see Lance at the beginning of games like they were at this point last month. And that's quite a feat for Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, Lance is the number three pick in the draft. And uh, basically, people are forgetting about him for large uh, sections of this game. Um, Dennis, I'm, I'm borrowing this stat from uh, Josh Dubow, who's uh, uh, a really great uh, reporter for the Associated Press, but he came up with a stat. This was Jimmy Garoppolo's fourth straight game with a passer rating of 100 or higher, and only two other quarterbacks can, can say that, that they've done that over uh, a four-game or more period, and that is uh, Joe Montana and Steve Young. So, uh, he's managing, but he's managing it really well, very efficiently, uh, very efficiently on, on third down. And that's all you can ask for, I think, from a, from a quarterback. And that's the money down. And that, that, that was where the 49ers were struggling. I mean, that, the, the turnovers, the penalties, and just the inefficiency on third down, that's what was killing them. And now the last three weeks, they've been good on third down because they've been good on first and second down. 
So, you know, I, what, what I know about Jimmy Garoppolo is he, he's a guy that he, he's, he's not going to be exciting. He's not going to throw anything long down the field. He's not going to scramble and, and uh, you know, buy time with his legs and throw something down the field. He's going to be a guy that – and now I notice that he's in, he's in shotgun a lot, and I think shotgun is, is, is his thing. That's his jam. Uh, he's able to kind of always keep his eye on the defense, not turn his back on the defense as he would if he was under the center. But if he's able to get a nice, comfortable pocket, set off that back foot, you know, and throw those quick in routes, get the ball out of his hands real quick, he's very efficient. And we've—I don't think he's thrown an interception in the last couple games here. So, you know, I—I I, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is—is—is is, is that guy. I hate to say it, we're not supposed to say it here in, in the 49er Empire, but he is a game manager. And when he manages it, and he's got a defense on him on his side, and he's not playing from behind. Uh, and he's got a nice little lead. Jimmy Garoppolo is a pretty darn good quarterback. And there's nothing wrong with managing a game. That there are very few guys in the NFL who can actually do that effectively and consistently. It makes you a it makes you a, a, an efficient quarterback, right? If you could do that, I think that there's there's a negative connotation to it that 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 shouldn't be there, right? It's a it's a very necessary skill to 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 win. And he's made some really, really impressive throws at, at high-pressure junctures. There weren't really terribly high-pressure junctures in a blowout over the Jaguars, so we can't go too crazy with that. But there certainly were in the game against the Rams. Even against the Cardinals, Garoppolo wasn't the problem a couple weeks ago, and obviously he made his share of play against the Bear, plays against the Bears uh, in Chicago. So that's four straight good games for Jimmy Garoppolo. Only one interception, and that interception came against the Cardinals in desperation time with the 49ers already down, what, two scores against the prevent defense. So he's avoiding the mistakes. I don't think people give him enough credit for his responsibilities at the line of scrimmage in the run game. He has to pull those strings. He has to make sure the 49ers are in the right play. He is the conduit between Shanahan calling the play and what the 49ers actually execute. And if the run game is churning, that means the quarterback is doing something right. And Matt mentioned some of the touch throws that he made today, uh, including that one, you know, the little wheel route that he made at the end of the first half there. So uh, it's... It, it's one of those situations where a lot of people play fantasy football and they want to see 300 to 400 yards a game. But 300 to 400 yards a game isn't necessarily correlated with winning. Raw yardage is not correlated with winning. What's correlated with winning is efficiency. And you have to look at it a little bit deeper. And when we analyzed Jimmy Garoppolo a little bit deeper, we see that efficiency. It's been on display over the past four weeks. And it's no coincidence the 49ers have won three of those four games, Matt. The bottom line is look at where we are right now. Five and five. Basically a clean slate for the 49ers. And who are they tied with? Uh, the Saints and the Vikings. So uh, there's a three-way tie for the last two spots in that uh, playoff race, that wild card race. And lo and behold, look who's coming to Levi Stadium on Sunday. Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. So, I mean, there's so much hand-wringing. It seems so silly now. Um, but, uh, you know, the 49ers did have their backs up against the wall. But the point is that it's a long season, and it's longer than it's ever been, Dennis. 17 games. So, you know, we're, we're still in the in the middle stretch of this thing, uh, even though uh, we're going to be heading into December really soon. And uh, there's still a lot of football to play. But the point being... The 49ers have set themselves up with uh, teams like the the Texans, uh, the Falcons, still on the schedule. To uh, you know, not you know, a, a week ago we were saying, well, oh, maybe they can get that last wild card spot. Now 
we sort of moved the uh, the idea, uh, moved the site a little bit. Now, now maybe they can get that that first wild card spot, um, and then go on from there. But uh, after two straight wins, what seems so unlikely, so ridiculous, just a couple of weeks ago, now seems uh, very uh, plausible. I'll, I'll, I'll use that word. I don't want to say likely at this point, but plausible that uh, you know they, they rally over this last month and a half, and they make the playoffs. You know, let's not forget, the Minnesota Vikings, I don't know what you guys think, other than the um, Cardinals. I'm just looking right now. I I think this could be the most talented offense that they face, um, the Minnesota Vikings coming in. So it's not going to be a Jacksonville Jaguar team that you come in with a rookie quarterback. Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback. He's got great weapons. He's got Thielen, and he's got the Cook is running back. This is a good offense. So, you know, take this win, but understand that you played it not a very good uh, Jacksonville team, and now you got to get refocused because the Vikings are coming to town, and they're they're a pretty pretty good football team. They're, they're one of the better teams that you're going to face here in this last little stretch. So, you know, it, the challenge is going to be up again for this defense, and, and I love seeing the defense again today kind of setting the tone. The offense had that nice long drive, but the defense goes on the field three and out, and then you then they go back on the field and they get a takeaway. So the defense really is going to have, it really needs to show up come against the Vikings on Sunday because this is a, I think it's a pretty good offensive team, uh, the Minnesota Vikings. So take this win, you got to build on it, and play that efficient, fundamental football against the Vikings. Yeah, it's going to be a top 10 matchup if you look at the DVOA. Both the 49ers and the Vikings entered this weekend ranked in the top 10, despite the fact that they were both 4-5. and five. So the advanced numbers indicated that both of these teams were underperforming relative to uh, their talent. And I think that's shown on the field here with the 49ers win over the Rams and now the Jaguars of course that was a blowout and the Vikings who who beat the Packers today so it's going to be I, you know I don't want to say a pivotal game next week but it's it's a really big one and they're both 5 and 5 now the 49ers in Minnesota they might both be ranked in the top 5 of the DVOA when the new rankings come out on Tuesday and obviously, Kirk Cousins versus Jimmy Garoppolo is going to generate all those Shanahan storylines. So it's a rematch of the playoffs in January 2020. It's two balanced teams. Levi Stadium should be really loud. And the 49ers are going to have a chance to showcase that the balance that they have displayed over the past two weeks has been no fluke because it's going to take that balance to beat a balanced team like the Vikings. And it's also going to take some notable individual performances to fuel that balance. And I want to talk about a few that really stood out to me today. One, Jawan Jennings. Remember that Jeff Wilson fumbled the football early in this game. And, and we always talk about how turnovers are the biggest causes of momentum shifts. And the 49ers, when they're a losing team, they're, it's no coincidence that they're on the losing end of the turnover differential. Well, they would have been on the wrong end of that differential to begin this game after Jeff Wilson fumbled had they not recovered that fumble. But Jawan Jennings came flying out of nowhere, and he dove on top of that football. Massive recovery. 
Slightly later in the game, Jawan Jennings was just doing such a good job blocking, and the 49ers offense was dominating the game in time of possession to such a degree that I think that the Jaguars were so tired and so frustrated just being pushed around that Jawan Jennings got under uh, the skin of a defender, and he got the defender ejected. And Jawan Jennings, to me, when I saw the replay, he was just he was laughing the whole time. He had a smile on his face. I mean, he was loving getting dirty in this game and, you know, playing that kind of enforcer's role for the 49ers, recovering fumbles, drawing flags, drawing ejections. I mean, that, that was – a team needs that because we, we talked about this two weeks ago. We were saying, where's the fight in this 49ers team? You know, where's that, you know, extra zeal that they had in 2019? It, it, it really wasn't there in those losses, Right. And Jawan Jennings, I thought, brought it today. I thought he gave them that little extra spark that can go a long way over these last seven games. Yeah, I, I, I love Jawan Jennings. Jawan Jennings is the type of guy that you hate Jawan Jennings if he's on the other team. But if he's on your team, you love Jawan Jennings. And you're absolutely right. I mean, he is a really feisty blocker. And um, he, he got under the skin of Rayshon Jenkins for sure and uh, kind of kept that drive going with that penalty. Um, Charlie Warner did the same thing. I, I was watching, uh, probably didn't show up on TV, but uh, he, he blocked hard and, uh, you know, to the whistle, maybe a hair past the whistle against Miles Jack, the, the, the great Jaguars linebacker. And Jack got really angry at him and upset and tried to pick a fight with him after the play. Um, but that's that's what happens when you're the bully, uh, and and the 49ers were just bullying this team all game, and um, you know that that uh, transcends I think to the crowd as well. This was an impressive 49ers crowd at the beginning of the game. You know, two hours before the game, that stadium was all red. The only people in the stadium were 49ers fans because they're not part of the the, the tailgate crew outside. And then, you know, with, uh, I don't know, a half hour, 45 minutes left, it was the same way, all red. Um, 49ers fans travel very well. Today was um, a highlight, I think, uh, in that. And it was essentially a home game, Dennis. Um, I, I wonder whether you experienced that in your career on the road where the 49ers fans are there and enforced to the point where you kind of feel like uh, even though uh, it's an away game, uh, you're playing at home. Always. I, I was I was amazed uh, when we went on the road just how many 49er fans there were. Now, true, when I got to the team in 1990, this, this squad had won four Super Bowls and won back to, or won two back-to-back. So... There was always everywhere we went, and it, it was just Niner fans everywhere. And I was always amazed because and this was back when New Orleans was in our division, and we would go to New Orleans and Atlanta every season. And I was just just pulling into the hotel, you know, just everybody at the hotels, at the buses as we got off, and then driving to the games, just seeing all the 49er fans outside stadiums before we went into the football game. So. 49er, the Empire's always traveled well. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's a different time now, but, you know, it, it, I'm always amazed. I mean, this morning, Dexter Carter, who lives, I think he still lives in Florida, he lives in Georgia, or Georgia, um, he was posting and he was in, at some of the tailgates and he was doing an autograph signing. And it was just, it was just all I saw was red. And even watching it on television, it was just red everywhere. 
And it's fun when you go and you see your team just beat up on the home, the home, um, the hometown team, and, and you're on the road, and you got your jersey on, and you got 49ers, your hat, and all that stuff on. And it's just fun. It's fun to watch, and 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 it's fun to see the 49ers get a little swag too. You know, you you talked about being the bully. You know, when when you're out there and you're frustrating defenses, you know this is what happens. You get pissed off when a receiver is blocking you. And how about these receivers? How about Brand Brandon Ayuk, the way he blocked? I mean, he 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 had a, a probably one of his best games this season, but he blocked his arse off today. I mean, he had a couple. Of, of blocks there on defensive ends where he took him down. So, you know, it's always fun to get that swag, get underneath a defense's, if you're offense, get against a, underneath a defense's skin and, and get them all irritated uh, and then, you know, make them make mistakes. And that's what the Jackson Jack or the Jacksonville Jaguars did today. They made a lot of mistakes. And that's what bad football teams do. And that's what the 49ers have been doing, you know, early in the football season, making mistakes. Uh, on third down, giving up you know easy first downs, keeping possessions alive, and that's what the Jacksonville Jags, Jaguars did because they were frustrated because they couldn't get off the football field. So it's it's good to see the 49ers get a little swag. Yeah, and that kind of stuff is contagious. Just like how not having it can seem contagious because losing obviously makes the lack of swag worse because it's harder to obtain. And then once you start winning, well, that naturally just pours fuel on the fire of the swag. But you need the dirty work to, to initially spark it. And I think the 49ers have, have gone and, and done the dirty work over the past two weeks to spark it. You know, the, the hardest part about getting a, a stalled car moving is, is that initial push, right? The first few inches are always when you have to strain the hardest, when you you know you just have to roll up your sleeves and, and get the job done. But once the car starts rolling, um, you have that momentum, and it's not nearly as hard as it was at the start. And I think that's where the 49ers feel that they're at right now. I think with the last two games, they have the car rolling, and now they're ready to you know run up to the to the driver's seat, hop in, and, and, and hit the gas and get it out of stall. Um, they have a chance to do that against Minnesota. Now, if they stumble against the Vikings, uh, it'll stall out again, and, and they're going to have to start getting – they're going to have to get out and start pushing again. And uh, they don't want that. They want this to, to hit the freeway. They want this to hit full speed right now. So that makes this next game against the Vikings so big. And you're going to need your stars to deliver again. So when we talk about the stars on this team, right? Obviously Garoppolo, obviously Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, those guys all delivered right today. Hell, even Trent Williams almost caught a touchdown today. The 49ers ran a tackle eligible play for him. Couldn't quite get him the ball. He was a little too well covered, but he delivered. But on the defensive end, Bosa, how about Bosa? Two sacks. He now has his career high of 10 sacks through only 10 games. So he has now eclipsed his previous career high. That was nine in his rookie season of 2019, despite only being 14 months removed from an ACL tear. Bosa is better than ever. Matt reported on this entering training camp, and he, you know, he wrote that well, Bosa's faster. I mean, all of his, all of his times in his 10-yard sprint and his shuttle times in the offseason working out with Joey were faster than they were before. He showed up to training camp leaner. Uh, but showing up the training camp leaner with faster stopwatch times is one thing. Actually beating opposing offensive tackles consistently, beating chip blocks consistently, and beating strangleholds consistently, and, and Bosa's dealing with a lot of strangleholds consistently to record sacks is another thing. And Nick Bosa's done that. Ten sacks in ten games. 
just shows you that he's made of something different coming off that ACL tear. And, and Matt, well, what I'm wondering moving forward, I know Joey Bosa has exploded at the officials. I'm wondering when, when Nick Bosa's rant is coming because if he's been this productive while getting strangled um, on a lot of these plays and it hasn't been called, you can only you know imagine the impact he'll have down the stretch if the officials start throwing some of these flags. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I don't think I need to remind everybody what happened in, in the Super Bowl two years ago. Uh, but, um, you know, the other part about that t- 10 sacks is that it's come with really nobody delivering consistently on the other side. Um, and, and so that's meant a lot of double teams. I mean, the Rams game, I was paying more attention than I was today, but um, and I will on, on, on reviewing it during the week. But, um, you know, uh, in, in that Rams game, uh, Bosa was getting a, a tight end and the, and the right tackle almost on every pass rush play. Uh, so chips, double teams, etc., and he still got ten. Now one of them was a cheapie, uh, and uh, Bosa admitted to that. It was a, uh, a, a you know basically running or hitting uh, Trevor Lawrence um, as he went out of bounds just before the first down marker. But there was another play. I think it was the Arden Keysack. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but it, it was essentially really a uh, a Bosa uh, pressure that led to a sack by a teammate. So. Um, it was a little bit of recompense, I think, for for Nick Bosa. But yeah, spectacular season. He he's um, you know his, his fat content. Uh, he got slimmer, uh, lost a little bit of weight over the season. Says he's quicker, and it's translated. Um, and it, uh, to me, it's not so much uh, quickness, Dennis, as it is relentlessness. I mean, that's that's what stands out to me. There was one play where he almost got. Lawrence, he got knocked to the ground, he got up, didn't get the sack on his play, but he was still sort of chasing Lawrence at the end of the play and uh, basically never gave up on it and was just uh, kind of dogged in his pursuit. And to me, that's what, that's what, where sacks come from and that's what makes uh, a really good pass rusher into an elite pass rusher. Yeah, hustle. And when I watch him, I think of a guy I play with, Pierce Holt that he was always going full speed. If he got knocked down, he got up. You know, if he was double teamed, he threw a fit to the quarterback. Uh, If he was triple teamed, he just kept going, kept going, kept going. Matter of fact, Pierce Holt would go so hard that he would need an IV at halftime because he was just so exhausted. He had to get some fluids in his body. Nick Bosa reminds me of him. He's always going. No matter what's going on, if he gets chipped, you know, he's trying to fight back outside or he's doing that counter inside move. So he's he, he, he it's almost it's almost crazy to watch him because I think to myself, whoever that doctor was, everyone should 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 get to this doctor, whoever repaired his knee, because he looks like he's a better football player. And Nick Bosa plays a different level. He plays he plays on an edge. He plays with the angles, uh, great hand placement. So it looks like that knee is actually stronger because he is definitely, I think, a better player. I mean, I, yeah, he's like he said it at the at um, at, at at the end of the game that he's getting the hang of his defensive defensive lineman in the in the NFL. But I think he's getting better. He's getting better as a pass rusher. He's reading the runs. He's recognizing draws and screens. And I don't see any hobble hobble in his in his step at all. So whoever that doctor was. 
I think everyone needs to go to that doctor because obviously they did an outstanding job on that knee. It's funny you say that because the doctor is uh, Neil Elitrosh. He's uh, out of L.A. And um, he's the guy that repaired Cooper Cup's knee when Cup uh, tore his ACL a few years ago. And Cup came back from that and, and was running 40 times that were faster than he ever ran them. Uh, and Cup swears that he's a faster, better player now post-ACL tear than he was pre-ACL tear. Um, I talked to Elitrash during the offseason uh, because he did do Bosa's knee. He also did Solomon Thomas's knee, and, and Thomas has bounced back as well. By the way, he also did Jimmy Garoppolo's knee and Javon Kinlaw's knee. So if you're worried about Javon Kinlaw, that's a, a little bit of a silver lining in the whole thing is that this guy... Um, did that surgery. And, and he was telling me that, and it's very uh, complicated to explain, but part of the recovery is retraining your brain, all the kind of electrical system to communicate again with the knee, because all those things get torn as well. It's not just the ligament that gets torn, nerve endings gets torn, all of that stuff. And so what he emphasizes in the recovery is basically, you know, that uh, that union between knee and brain, um, sharpening that. Again, they do that in a number of ways. But like I said, uh, Cooper Cup swears by it. He's only the uh, the league's re- leading receiver right now, and and, and Bosa obviously uh, is doing well, um, like uh, like Cup is. So. Uh, <laughs> If, if anyone in my family ever tore an ACL, I would send them to this guy, Lickety Split, because uh, the track record, at least for the 49ers, is pretty good. With all the knee injuries that have happened and with all the, you know, with that, that Kinlaw one still looms large as far as the, the 49ers' longer-term plans because I still think that this team has a weakness on the interior defensive line that it's going to have to scheme around this year. I think there's uh, no coincidence behind the fact that the 49ers, even in the first quarter, were running every single play clock down to one or zero before they snapped the ball. They're, they're trying to shield their defense. They think their defense can be good enough to get the job done if it's nice and rested and they don't want to expose it uh, either to a, a deficit or a tie game at all costs because they're afraid of that interior run right? Uh, without Javon Kinlaw, that is a soft spot in the defense. So we talk about knee injuries and the necessary recovery from them. The 49ers in 2022 really want a healthy Javon Kinlaw. So they hope that that surgery went well and that recovery and all the brain to knee connections that Matt just talked about. They hope that works really well for uh, Javon Kinlaw moving forward. Uh, guys, who else were you impressed with in, in today's game? I, we, we talked about Bosa We've talked a, a little bit about uh, that 49ers offense. Obviously, Debo Samuel is a complete star. Uh, he entered this game, by the way, 21 yards shy of 1,000 yards receiving, but his own success at running back prevented him from, from breaking that mark. He only had one catch today, and he almost had a spectacular one on a deeper pass later on, but just couldn't haul it in. But Debo Samuel's now at 995 receiving yards, so he's five shy of 1,000 with seven games to go. So barring an injury or something really unfortunate, he'll get that next week against the Minnesota Vikings. So so Debo was good. I think George Kittle was good. But but what about some unsung heroes? Did you uh, see anything, you know, that, that really stood out to you, Matt, uh, on the defensive side of the ball? I know that Jaquaski Tart came back today. And uh, Josh Norman 
now leads the NFL with five forced fumbles. So there's that. Uh, he, I, I know that you might have been the one that asked him about his peanut punch there in, in, in the postgame press conference. But I think silently some maligned 49ers or some 49ers that, that we hadn't really been talking about the last few weeks, I thought they contributed today as well. Well, you mentioned Juwan Jennings. That's a nice uh, sort of unsung guy. Charlie Warner, I mentioned him. He's unsung. Lakin Tomlinson, I mean um, – that uh, 25-yard uh, touchdown run by Debo Samuel in, in the in the second quarter got a nice block from George Kittle downfield. He got a nice block from Alex Mack downfield. Got a nice block from Lakin Tomlinson. Um, you know, more than 10 yards downfield. Tomlinson was pulling from that left guard spot. You know, we're, we're in the season, Dennis, of Pro Bowl voting. Guards don't get any love. Um, and um, certainly on, on the 49ers, Trent Williams gets the lion's share of the praise, and deservedly so. But uh, I think that Lake and Tomlinson is having his best, most consistent year. Um, y- you never hear about him, which is a good thing. Um, and, um, you know, it, it's that ability to, to move in space, to be consistent, to stay healthy. To, to be there. I mean, that's yeah. that's ninety. That's ninety eight percent of this game these days is just showing up. And Lincoln Tomlinson shows up day in and day out. Usually, the only snaps he misses in a season is when his shoe falls off and he has to come to the side of the uh, the field to put it back on. But he's a guy that I feel like, um, and and believe me, I I don't know guard play. I'm not watching every game. I don't know who are the greatest guards. I just know that Lake and Tomlinson needs to be in the conversation for top guards in the NFC. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you're, you're right. You know, the offensive line, you know, unless you're a, a Trent Williams, you don't get much pub. And he has been that guy that you can depend on. Uh, and that side of the ball, you know, that, that right side of the ball is definitely the strong side of the ball. And I, and I think Kyle knows it too, or he wouldn't run the ball, you know, 42 times or 44 times a game. He trusts that offensive line, and they've come together as a unit, and they've played well. So he's definitely an unsung hero. But what about Brandon Ayuk? I mean, this is a guy I think people kind of gave up on in, in the beginning of the season. Uh, he, he was nowhere to be found. Uh, you know, he had no targets, no catches. In the last couple of weeks, he's just kind of shown up, and he's played really well. And uh, I think he's back to where he was as a rookie. I don't know what the conversation he had with Kyle Shanahan a couple weeks ago. But whatever was said was great because he is really showing up now. He's really become part of this offense. Um, But he's always been that guy. He's rookie season. I don't know what happened, you know, with if it was his practice of his his preparation. You know, all this talk about him being, you know, maybe is he a bust? Was it kind of a one season phenomenal thing? But he's played really well, and I think he needs to start getting some credit. He's going to help so much, you know, because they're going to start trying to defend Debo. I mean, Debo is a beast, so it gives him an opportunity to make some big plays in this in, in this offense. So just give him some credits too. Seven catches, 85 yards for Brandon Ayuk, and I think we really have to commend the 49ers and Ayuk for how they handled that whole situation because it was complicated and potentially thorny given the previous struggles of second-year receivers in Kyle Shanahan's system. But what, what happened with Ayuk is he, he had a big 2020 rookie season. Uh, it looked like he was primed for a big start to 2021 early in training camp. 
the rapport was there for Ayuk with the 49ers quarterbacks. Uh, he was bigger and stronger than he was last season, and uh, he, he was lighting it, lighting it up early in training camp. But then he pulled the hamstring, and that really set him back. It wasn't getting nearly as many reps in practice, and when he was trying to come back, that practice habits just weren't what they needed to be for him to make that breakthrough as far as rapport with quarterbacks, as far as separation on the field. I mean, it was very clear that Brandon Ayuk was not playing as well as he had in 2020. And it was something about that hamstring roadblock that had really thrown him off a good track because the track was good early in training camp. And there was a lot of noise about this situation, right? And a lot of people blaming Kyle Shanahan for intentionally excluding Brandon Ayuk out of the offense because he was mad at him or something like that. And uh, it was, no, the, the 49ers stuck to their guns. Football is a meritocracy. You earn your repetitions as a wide receiver based on how you practice, right? Because if you do it the right way and you practice well and you practice with purpose, then you're going to develop rapport with your quarterbacks. And I liken it to you can give a man a fish and he's going to eat once. Or you can teach a man to fish and he's going to eat for the rest of the season. And I think the 49ers did the latter with Brandon Ayuk. A lot of people were screaming at them on Twitter to force feed him the football. Manufacture touches for Brandon Ayuk. It doesn't matter what he's doing in practice or whatever. He's too talented. He needs to touch the ball. That's not how sports should work. That's not how the NFL should work. You got to make that guy earn it. And Brandon Ayuk earned it in practice. Kyle Shanahan talked to him. And he, starting with the game in Chicago, he was running routes with greater purpose. And he was also connecting with Jimmy Garoppolo off schedule, which meant that what Brandon Ayuk had done in the week leading to it in practice made Jimmy Garoppolo trust him more. You saw the touchdown today. Jimmy Garoppolo trusted Brandon Ayuk. He was getting hit. He could hardly see him in the back of the end zone. But he knew that Brandon Ayuk would be in the right spot. And because the 49ers handled this situation smoothly and they didn't try to force the ball to Brandon Ayuk sooner than they should have, I think now, Matt, they have a sustainable situation where this guy's going to be a reliable complement to Debo Samuel moving forward because that rapport and that confidence has grown naturally now over the past few weeks instead of it being something contrived. And the 49ers will be better for it with Garoppolo now throwing to Samuel, Ayuk, and George Kittle. They now have three top-caliber weapons ready to go in cohesion and lockstep with their quarterback. Yeah, we're talking about a lot today is the long play. I mean, uh, uh, there, there was some panic there. <laughs> and, and, you know, I think it, it was warranted. They, they had a four-game losing streak. That loss to the Cardinals was uh, the worst one of the Shanahan era. But... There was a, a patience and a confidence and, like I said, a long play in the Garoppolo versus Lance dynamic, in Brandon Ayuk, maybe in, you know, being very stingy with Trey Thurman snaps, that uh, the 49ers sort of uh, believed in what they were doing. They stuck with it. There were no kind of panic moves and all that. And like I said, here we are, 5-5, five and five, clean slate, clear path to the playoffs. I mean, got to keep delivering, of course, but um, they, they were right. I mean, uh, I'm sure it didn't go exactly as they planned, but, um, you know, here we are in late November. It's almost Thanksgiving, and um, they're in, I want to say, the spot they want to be. They, they would probably would have wanted to be uh, – 
uh, top in their division. But they, uh, this, this, in, in a way, and, and hear me out here, this is almost better because now you're, you're, you're hungry, now you're focused, now you've, you've been bloodied up this season, uh, and you know what it's going to take. You're not taking anything for granted. You're not going to get lazy. Um, you're not going to be caught from behind. You're the pursuer, Dennis, the rest of this year. I kind of think that's a it's a very nice spot to be in on uh, November 21. Yeah, and you I mean you can see the light now. I mean you you can see what the goal is. You know you you're five and five. You know you you fought your way back up now, two games back to back, and now you got you're at home again. But you got a tough opponent coming in in the Minnesota Vikings. So stay focused. Uh, the one thing the 49ers have done, they've played very clean. You know, you see, they've eliminated a lot of the penalties. They've eliminated the turnovers. They've, they've created turnovers. So you're playing good football, good, clean football. If you can keep that, stay focused. I think this team's going to be all right coming into Sunday and also moving, you know, throughout the rest of the football season. But you got to you got to stay focused. You got to stay stay the, you know, the route that you're on right now. Whatever's going on in practice, whatever's happening in meeting rooms, that's you have to keep that focus up because that's what's going to win football games. And and you've seen it the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Jacksonville's not a very good football team, but the Rams were a very good football team, and you played exactly the same way. So consistency is going to be important moving forward. Well, the 49ers have showcased it in two straight games, and we can essentially call it a new season now. They control their own destiny as far as the playoff chase goes. They're 5-5, five and five, so they're out from underneath the mat. They have seven games to play, and they're going to be favored in all likelihood in, in most of these football games. So... Uh, a lot better time to be a 49ers fan now than it was two weeks ago. It's also Thanksgiving week, so happy Thanksgiving to everybody. We'll continue covering the team. We'll talk to you next after the 49ers and the Vikings play on Sunday at Levi Stadium. So happy Thanksgiving to all. 49ers beat the Jaguars 30-10. to 10. Don't forget about our best deal of the year. Again, you can get all of the Athletics' great writing and podcasts for just $1 a month for 12 months. Go to theathletic.com forward slash here's the catch before midnight on the 29th and lock in our very best price of the year. Just $1 a month for new subscribers. For Matt Barrows and Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi. We'll talk to you all next time.